Getting sober requires a lot more than mind over matter, a lot more than willpower. It's about leveraging the support around you. People in recovery typically need a mix of medical help, emotional support, and changes in lifestyle to manage their addiction, not just mental determination. As both a therapist and someone embracing the recovery lifestyle, there's one tool I always recommend to people needing extra accountability, Soberlink. Soberlink is a high-tech breath analyzer system designed to help you get and stay sober. And here's why I love it. You'll test the same day every day, eliminating testing anxiety. Friends and family receive instant test results, helping you rebuild trust and preventing relapse. Accountability is a part of that, and it's something to really be embraced. Devices have built-in facial recognition, so your support circle knows you're testing, and tamper-resistant sensors flag any attempts at trying to beat the system, so your sobriety is never questioned. So let 2024 be your best year yet. Visit Soberlink.com forward slash T-A-M to sign up and receive $50 off your device. That's Soberlink.com forward slash T-A-M. And let accountability be your guide. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Addicted Mind podcast. My name is Dwayne Osterland, and I'm your host. I'm also the founder of Novus Mindful Life Institute Family Counseling Recovery Center in Long Beach, California. If you or anyone you know is struggling with any of life's challenges, reach out to us. You can find more information about us at theaddictedmind.com forward slash help. Don't forget, if you are enjoying the Addicted Mind podcast, please go to iTunes and leave a review. Every review helps us get more exposure and I definitely appreciate it. Also, think about joining our Facebook group. You can just go to Facebook and type in the Addicted Mind podcast, click join and continue the conversation there as well. Also, if you have some wisdom you'd like to share with others out there who are in recovery or struggling with addiction, loved ones or individuals, go to the website and click on the tab on the side that says share your story. There you can leave us audio, a piece of wisdom that you would like to share with the Addicted Mind audience. And I'm hoping that I'll be able to feature some of those on the podcast and so that other people can have a voice on the addicted mind as well. So if that fits for you, please go to the addictedmind.com and click on the tab, share your story. All right. We are on to episode 81 and my guest today is Steve Rio and he is the founder of a company called The Nature of Work. And so today we're going to talk about work, but in a way we're going to talk more importantly about focusing our intention on the areas of our life that we want to improve and make better. So I think this is so critical to the recovery process and getting the most out of life. I mean, this is the issue that many of us face in dealing with recovery. So I was glad to have him on and I hope you all enjoy this episode as well. All right, let's go ahead and start it. All right, everybody, welcome to the Addicted Mind podcast. My guest today is Steve Rio, and he is the founder of Nature of Work. Steve, I'm excited to have you on the show to talk about work and productivity and what that means for people who are either in recovery from addiction or even maybe dealing with some of those other 
addictive issues, compulsive work, compulsive technology, all of that. So I'm excited that you're uh, coming on. You want to introduce yourself? Yeah, I always find it interesting in introducing myself. I'm a self-made entrepreneur. I've self-taught in everything I do. I had a long history as a musician, then that transitioned to technology. So I've been in the technology field for actually close to 20 years now. So the last few years for me has been a really interesting transition from being a real tech evangelist to being, I think, getting on the side of humans and thinking a lot about what this technology exposure is doing to us as humans. All right, great. That's definitely a question I want to talk to you about because I think the nature of technology today is has changed a lot and it has a huge impact on our life. So maybe we can just talk about that a little bit first before we get into talking about productivity and stuff like that. Sure. Yeah, like I think the one of the key things that we've seen is the really quick integration of iPhones and you know like our smartphones which is really only about a decade of time. And I think we've always looked at technology as being there to make our lives better. And that's the intention of the companies that are creating it. And there was a time, I think, where that was generally true. But we're now in an era where there is still components of that. And there's still lots of uses of technology that are great and are improving the quality of our lives. But there's also a very large industry, the biggest industry in the world now is the attention economy. And these are companies that are intentionally creating tools that are addictive, that are there to absorb our time and attention, what I consider our two greatest resources in our life. And that's what they monetize. They are mining. It's the new colonialism. It's the new mining. It's the new extraction industry. And it's going after our time and attention. So I think one of the things that's happened over the last decade or so is these new shiny tools have come into our life and they made our life better. And the intention of these tools was, I think, fairly positive in the beginning, but quite quickly that has shifted. And we now have one of the most addictive things possible in our pocket at all times. So anyone who is in recovery or has dealt with addiction in their life knows that when you're exposed, you know, you can't have a substance around you if you have an addiction issue with that substance. But now that we are engaging with technology in such a way that, you know, our phones are our work, our families are, you know, it it really connects us to everything we do. And they have a whole bunch of apps and tools on like apps and platforms on there that are exceptionally addictive and are really absorbing a tremendous amount of our time, which is degrading the quality of our lives. Right. You know, I had to get Facebook off of my phone because I kept finding myself going back to it, checking, not really for any, I don't even know why. (laughs) I just like, and it is, and that addictive component of it is so powerful. I remember reading somewhere that, you know, for Facebook, if they can get everybody to do one more swipe up on their timeline, they make millions of dollars because they show millions of more ads. So they're incentivized to do that to us, to really make us like stick in and come back and keep engaging. And if addiction is an issue or attention is an issue, that those can be really hard to steer around or fight or you have to just get rid of them. (laughs) No, I think that's right. What you just pointed out is exactly it. You look at the business model of these companies and it is our time and attention. Like you say, one swipe means a lot of money. I mean, Instagram profited $20 billion last year. And it's a free platform. So anytime you're getting something for free and the company is tremendously profitable, 
you need to kind of consider what the value exchange, what's happening in that moment when you're engaging with those platforms. Because I think one of the things about Facebook or Instagram or anything like that is it's also a bit deceptive because you imagine it as a place where your friends are. It's like, oh, let's go to the park and meet our friends. And the park is just a place for us to gather. And Facebook has become that online. However, it's very cleverly and very specifically engineered to create compulsive and addictive behavior to, and they do that through a whole bunch of, you know, mechanisms that are affecting our well-being, our personal and emotional well-being, you know, our social well-being, all these kind of components. Right. So let's take this back to, you know, uh, working and productivity, because you are the co-founder of a company called The Nature of Work. So I want to take it back to that as well. And tell me a little bit about that. Yeah. So Nature of Work really was founded out of my own need. And I guess what I realized, so a few years back, I moved to a small island off the coast of Vancouver. I'm up in Canada. And so I live in this small island, just about 45 minutes out of Vancouver. But I built this beautiful office for myself that I'm sitting in today. And I thought, you know, I'd been thinking about this for many years, about having a quiet space close to nature where I could do my deepest, best work. And I built this office for myself. I did all the work myself. And I sat down and I realized that I still couldn't focus. I realized that for all of the beautiful environment and how quiet it was and all these things, my brain was still not functioning the way I expected it to. And so that really set me down a path of looking in, like basically doing research around the neuroscience of focus and attention, looking at the research that's like, what is happening with, what is the effect of technology on the brain? And thinking a lot about work habits, because I've always been a highly productive person, but I've also been someone who has been productive at the cost of my own well-being. So I've burnt out many times in my life. I'm a classic overworker. You know, my relationship with, I basically, when I sat down here, I thought this was going to fix it. This external environment was going to fix it, but it was an internal issue. Like everything is, it, it's really my relationship with work. And when I dug deeper, part of it was my relationship with technology, but it was also just my relationship with my time and attention and how I organize myself throughout the day. I realized that I didn't have the routines and the practices and what I refer to just as my personal operating system, my own software to work efficiently so that I could be a high achieving person, an entrepreneur that runs a couple different companies and mentors and advises and does all sorts of stuff without the burnout, without the isolation from my family, without the, you know, all of the things that typically come along with most high performers. Right. And I, I think what you're talking about is so important because I think when we look at work, we spend a lot of our time doing that. But if we are not careful and we don't know how to place our attention, it will get sucked into these things like Facebook or anything else that distracts us. So one way we can be unproductive because we can't focus ourselves right? And we're focused in areas that aren't important to us. And then the other way is that we can focus to the exclusivity of something that leaves out other important things in our life. So there's that balance, balancing that out. Mm -hmm. 
And they kind of go together. The major difference that we're in now, we're in the information age now, and a lot of people haven't heard that term, but being an information worker, you and I are generally that, where a lot of what we're doing is on computers, is exchanging information, is communicating ideas. And that's the most office workers are that. Now, you also deliver therapy and do other work. So there's a different component there. But a lot of our work is basically on these devices, and which is very different from the manual work age where our tools were very separate from our toys. And so we're now on these tools. Like if you were a metal worker, you couldn't check Facebook on your anvil, (laughs) on your hammer. Like your tools, you pick up a tool, you use it for one thing, and then you put that tool down. And if you try to use two tools at once, you injure yourself or the quality of your work goes down. But now we're in an environment where Everyone wants to talk about multitasking and how great they are at multitasking. We just had a job at another company of mine, BrightWeb, and we had over 300 applicants. This was for an entry-level job, so a lot of young people applying for the role. And the thing we saw over and over again was people you know, saying, I'm a great multitasker. And so we're in this interesting environment now where not only are we on a computer where we can easily flip to Facebook or any distractions in our life, you know, like our reddits or whatever we're into or news sites or the Trump impeachment or whatever we're obsessed with, right? It doesn't have to be social media. So there's that component. And then there's the component of, well, we can also be sort of doing two things at a time. So we can be working in a document, but bouncing around to check our email or getting notifications about everything that's happening around the thing we should actually be focused on. So our time and attention gets fragmented. And so instead of working on a document for 45 minutes and wrapping it up, that document ends up taking three hours or four hours or two days or however long, or we work in it in 15 minute increments and it ends up stretching all our work out. So now you're basically working at a much lower capacity than you normally would, and your time is getting stretched out. So you're getting less time for recuperation, for sleep. You know, our sleep is going down, less time for social connection, which is driving down our emotional well-being, which is sort of a spiral effect that when we come back to work, we're less rested, we're, you know, less well. And again, our performance is lower. So we're not able to do as much. And so this is a kind of a, a tough cycle that people are in their relationship with work. And so nature of work for me what it is, is really building a better relationship with work, optimizing your habits so you can be more productive, so you can be more creative, but not necessarily just for the ends of work. It's for the ends of the quality of your life, for the ends of everything else around your work, right? So talk to that a little bit, because I think that's such an important element of this. It's not just about being productive. It's about creating the life that you want. And how does this play into that? Well, yeah. So I think we're in a time where everybody wants to talk about future outcomes and the goals we have and what we're achieving outwardly. Right. And so that's why I think a lot of people are willing to work themselves, you know, to some burnout level to try and achieve something without, I guess, looking back and saying, well, how is this impacting the quality of my life on a day to day level? So I think what we often forget is that we're so focused out in the future. Our minds spend a lot of time time traveling, right, in the past and the future. And when we spend so much time in the future thinking about where we're going to be when we achieve this thing, we forget to think about the present moment, which is the one moment where that actually exists. It's our actual lives are happening right now. And if we aren't 
aware of the quality of our life in the present moment because we're so stressed out or we're so overworked or we're so focused on some future goal or we're worried or we have anxiety or depression about the past or the future or these kind of things, then it's very hard to feel good in the present moment. So I've chosen to focus on work as a means to access people's quality of life because we spend so many of our hours like living awake hours at work. Addicted to Facebook. <laughs> well, and then also addicted to Facebook. I mean, the numbers are stacked. We spend two and a half hours a day on social media. So that's a whole nother story. But I think that if we can start to get a handle on our work habits and get a habit, a handle on our technology habits, our time starts to free up. Our brain starts to operate properly. Our sleep starts to get better. Our social awareness begin improves. All of these things start to shift. And I think that's when you're talking about that, I think that's so important because when individuals, especially someone who is in recovery, you know, working through a lot of their issues that they're able to be effective. And I mean, this talks to the bigger picture. These are the skills you need to be in recovery. And it actually makes you more resilient to be able to not go back to your addiction. I mean, if you're taking care of yourself, if you're working at a reasonable level, you're getting your sleep, you're being productive so that you feel good about what you're doing, but you're not overtaxed. I mean, those are the things that make recovery strong and powerful in order to walk through that. A hundred percent. And the word you just said, resilient to me is such a key thing. First off, I would, I guess, when you think about addiction, A, there are some people who are more prone to addictive behaviors. So there's that component of addiction. And to remember that if you have an addictive personality, it is just as easy to get addicted to your technology, to social media. You are more prone to be a victim of the attention economy. So there's that component. The other component, I think that a lot of addiction issues come from a lack of connection of social connection, that that's where these things are rooted. And so when we are not grounded in our life, when we are not connected to what we're doing and who are, and the people around us, because our habits are not, you know, in check and we don't have a good, basically we don't have good routines. We don't have good self-care habits. We don't, we're not mindful of our actions and our behaviors and our relationships. Then we lose that connection, which I think opens the door to things like addiction. Right. And so I think that's all really important. And I guess what I think a lot about and what my work is focused around is daily practices, because I think for all of the theory about what we need to do, it boils down to what are the small things we can do every day to help ground ourselves first thing in the morning, you know, with a morning routine, with a small meditation, with some journaling, all sorts of, you know, just what can we do first thing? And then throughout the day, how can we find these anchor points where we ground into where we are, who we are, what's important to us, and what are we trying to achieve so that our, so that we are productive? And so one of the things that happens at work right now is that on average, we interrupt ourselves or we are interrupted every 45 seconds. And that's pretty staggering when you think about trying to connect into something because it takes us up to 20, 23 minutes to actually focus deeply on something. And there's good research that shows that when we are focused deeply on things, that is when we find meaning in things. That's when we find purpose. 
And so if we're constantly up in the stratosphere being scattered throughout the day and we're ping-ponging from thing to thing to thing, it is very hard to connect in, to feel purpose, to feel grounded. And ultimately, that impacts work and it impacts our personal relationships. And ultimately, that creates the level of connection we feel with ourselves and with our life. Right. I think there's such an important point that you make in there, too. As you were talking, I was also thinking about how there's a saying that I say a lot working with clients and stuff. And I don't know where I heard it or where I picked it up or who said it, but it's like, it's basically small hinges swing big doors. Mm. And that, you know, some of these changes that you can make in your life don't have to be huge. Small things that are consistent can have lead to big change. And I think that's really helpful for a lot of people, especially in recovery, because it can feel so overwhelming, like they've got to make this huge shift. Right. And you get frozen in that. You're like, I don't know how to do that. And it's like, whoa, you don't have to actually do that much. You just have to do some small things. Yeah, that's so true. We build this big future objective up of being whole or being different or whatever, and that can feel really overwhelming. And when we, again, to me, it's about grounding back into the present moment and saying, what can I do today? What can I do for the next hour? What is the very small thing I can do first thing in the morning? What we found with our research, testing out different ways of engaging with people is that we start with a morning routine. And what we found is that if people get a hold of the first 15 to 20 minutes of their morning, that can have a big impact on the decisions they make for the rest of the day. So one of the things that we're, you know, is a pretty natural habit. And most people I ask or talk to agree that the first thing that we do is we wake up and we grab our phone and we start flipping through the internet. And that could be social media, could be news, could be work, whatever. When we actually take that first 15 minutes and we say, I'm going to focus in on myself, I'm going to just take some deep breaths, I'm going to, it doesn't have to be complicated. I'm going to drink some water. Hopefully you consider doing maybe a five minute, 10 minute meditation, just a simple breathing exercise meditation, just a few minutes to ground yourself with who you are and where you are and what is important to you today, just today. You know, I think when we, I use the analogy that we're a lot of times going through life and we're, it's like riding down a big hill on a bike and we don't have our hands on the handlebars. So it's really hard. And so we're really worried about where we're going to end up or we're going to end up in the ditch or, you know, we feel like we have no control. The only time we can get our hand on the handlebars is in the very present moment and just start steering ourselves moment by moment, hour by hour, day by day in the right direction. And the anxiety of where we're going to end up in this big future that we're trying to create for ourselves can start to go down because we know that for the next hour, I'm doing the right thing. And for today, I'm going to do the right thing. Right. And that's something for most people that's doable. I mean, you can, it's not insurmountable. I mean, it's 10 minutes. It does take a little bit of a shift, but it's doable. It is. Yeah. And I experienced depression. So I suffer from, I'm not sure what type of depression, but it comes and goes for me. And every few months I'll feel it coming on and I'll just know that I'm in for days to weeks of a low period of my emotional state. And so I know for a fact that like I've personally experienced how hard it can be to do anything in that state. It is debilitating. And so like looking for those very small things that you can do to me is, is I love that small hinges swing big doors. It's to me, it's like this little 
chink in the armor. It's just that little opening that can become a little bit bigger and just to start to unwind that state that you're in. And sooner or later, it really compounds. It's like investing in the stock market. It's compound interest. A very small shift compounds over time. And I'm so glad that you say that and that you acknowledge your own struggle with depression, because I think a lot of people out there, you know, listening to us doing a podcast and talking about it, sometimes it could sound like we have it all together. But at the same time, we're human beings across the microphone here who, you know, in some ways we're talking to ourselves as we do this work, too. And I think that's so important for people to know that part of being human is this struggle with ourselves. I mean, and if we can pull in any of these tools, any of these things to help with that struggle, I just think it's wonderful. So I think it's great that you say that. And I think it really helps people relate and understand that, you know, we all have to do this stuff. It's so true. I sit in, I do a lot of workshops and I also sit a number of different, I'm in a peer group with a a group of CEOs who many of them are, you know, doing very well financially, outwardly you see success. And I think a lot of times we forget that there's, for every person, there is an inward journey, inward struggle. I, you know, honestly, when I walk into rooms, most people, I come off very confident, (laughs) very assured, you know, very positive. And yeah, I absolutely struggle with pretty serious depression that comes and goes that I've been looking at and working on for I mean, my whole life I've been consciously working on for the last decade and last decade where I'm finally aware of these mood swings of this emotional state. So I just see it everywhere I go. I was in a circle last night, a ceremony circle last night, and this is a bunch of people who, if you didn't see them in this private room sharing openly, you would see them as successful business people, successful writers, people with a level of fame and celebrity, these kind of things. And what you see when you actually get down to it is we all have trauma and we all have things that we're working through and we all have, this is the human condition. And I love what you just said about talking to ourselves because that's what nature of work is to me. It's me talking to myself. It's me saying, I need this. And then as soon as I do it, other people start needing it. And I think that that's a great way to think about, like oftentimes whatever we're we're projecting outwardly to other people is what we need ourselves to Right, totally. And when we learn the, I love that you're sharing that, you know, with your company, you know, the nature of work to share those skill sets, because so many people out there are looking for that help and that support. Yeah. And I think for, it's interesting, because I think a lot of, you know, about consciousness and kind of taking deeper and thinking about trauma and all these things. And what I've realized that at least where I'm at now is, again, getting back to real basics in terms of our daily practices, our daily routines, our daily grounding exercises in those small moments, that's where profound change can begin. And that that's a base level for all the other transformation we want in our lives is how are we managing our time, our energy and our attention in the moment on a daily basis. Especially in this world now where there is so much distraction, like we were talking at the beginning of the podcast, totally. you know, it really pulls you from that focus. And I know that many times I'm like, okay, I'm getting rid of my email. I'm getting rid of Facebook. It's off my phone. I'm taking it off because, you know, or at least me, I know it's like, this is taking so much time and it's just, I'm not really getting anything out of it. I know it's wild. Like, so like I said, on average, we spend two and a half hours a day just on social media, adults in North America. That's over seven years of our life. 
That's which is unbelievable. We also spend an average of 11 hours a day consuming media across all platforms, TV, radio, internet, apps, all these, all the digital streaming and things like that. That's 11 hours of what is, that is like almost 75% of our day. And so that is just an unbelievable amount of time. So I think one of the things we hear all the time, and when, you know, the most recent studies on depression and anxiety and the causation and, or people self-reported reasoning for that, it's all around being overwhelmed, not having enough time for family and not having enough time for themselves. And so I think the most immediate, most obvious thing we can look at is where we're spending our time. And the data is there. Like, I think the data is fine, but I think anyone who's hearing that data point can probably go, oh yeah, I'm pretty close to that spectrum. I'm somewhere in that spectrum. So, you know, I think every, we can all acknowledge for ourselves where we're at with that as well. Oh, definitely. And I I just think that's so important. And I think you coming in and being able to, to kind of, I think that's so important. And you coming in and talking about that is great. I really appreciate it. So we're coming up on our time. If anybody's out there and they're listening and they're relating to what we're talking about, what would you want to tell them? What would be the one thing you'd want to say to them? It would be that our time and attention are the two greatest resources we have in our life. Our time is non-renewable. It can't be saved. You can't get it back. So what you spend your time on is tremendously important. And what you pay attention to in each moment is even more important. It determines the quality of what we achieve in this life, but more importantly, it determines the quality of our experience of life. And for all of the outward goals and achievements and things we're trying to do, ultimately, it is the quality of our attention in the present moment that determines how we feel and our experience of life. Wow. Thank you so much for saying I can't agree more. And, and I love that you've come on. If people want to know more about you or want to know more, how can they find you? Yeah. So you can find Nature of Work is at natureofwork.co. You can find me, ironically, on Instagram at Steve Rio. I try to basically post meaningful content that helps people connect in with their lives. And so I post short videos. I also have a, a new podcast called Now with Steve Rio. And that is focused all around the, basically the bottom line is what does it mean to live a good life? And so talking about, these are personal conversations that you wouldn't, I don't think normally hear otherwise. So that's what I'm trying to do with the podcast. So it's called Now with Steve Rio. Oh, that's awesome. All right. I will link all that stuff in the show notes as well. So you can go to theaddictedmind.com and find it there. Steve, thank you for coming on and having this conversation with me. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks, Dwayne. Great work. All right, everyone. Thank you for listening to the Addicted Mind podcast. As usual, all the show notes will be at theaddictedmind.com. Once again, if you are enjoying the Addicted Mind podcast, please rate and review us on iTunes. That really does help. And I think we're up over 175 reviews at this point, which is super exciting. And I love to see that as well. If you know of anybody who you think would like The Addicted Mind and get something out of it, please share it with them. I'd really appreciate that as well. Don't forget, join our Facebook group. Go to Facebook and type in The Addicted Mind Podcast. Click join and you can continue the conversation there as well. And share your story. Go to the website, click on the tab, share your story and share a little bit of your wisdom about recovery and what you would want other people to know as well. Sharing your hope. 
All right. Until next week, have a wonderful day. It's easy to blame ourselves for our struggles with alcohol. We see people around us being able to control their drinking without any consequences, yet no matter what we try, we can't seem to figure it out for ourselves. My name is Jillian Teets, and I am the host of the Sober Powered Podcast, where I use my biochemistry background to explain the latest research in addiction and help you understand both why you drink the way you do and how to develop the skills and mindset you need to find freedom from alcohol. I discuss topics like why we think about our drinking 24-7, why we have no off switch, and why we crave alcohol. If you're struggling with your drinking or you know someone who is, then I hope that you will check out the Sober Powered Podcast. New episodes every Friday. See you there.